As many have done in the strange pandemic time in which we are living, Marie and I have dabbled a bit in bread baking. While we still have a long ways to go in figuring out this ancient craft, we have enjoyed it quite a bit during this time. What always baffles me about this act is just how simple the recipes actually are. All consisting of some ratio of flour, yeast, salt, and water. Four extremely basic things that are sort of boring on their own, but when brought together and allowed to properly rise and leaven, creates a heavenly yet utterly basic substance that humans have enjoyed for thousands of years. In a similar way, our gospel reading this week from Mark's gospel uh, brings three accounts together, three stories together in just seven verses. Jesus' baptism, his temptation in the wilderness, and Jesus' inaugural address, his stump speech, so to speak. As you've heard me say before, Mark is a master of brevity. Now, if these short accounts sound familiar to you, they are. In the past month, we've already heard two of these stories. Jesus' baptism that we heard on Baptism of the Lord Sunday back in mid-January, and then Jesus' stump speech we heard the very next week. So why would we need to hear these again? It's a fair question to be sure. Now, the account we haven't heard yet, Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, is found right in between these two we've already heard right in between Jesus' baptism and his inaugural address. Now we get to see it all together. We get to see all three of these stories together in context. These three accounts, when seen together, much like flour, yeast, salt, and water to make bread, create a very cohesive beginning to Jesus' ministry, and one that merits a closer look as we see how this all unfolds and sets Jesus' ministry into action. After his baptism, Jesus goes into the wilderness embarking on a pilgrimage of 40 days of, and 40 nights. And when we hear wilderness in the Bible, we really need to reframe our understanding a bit as we often think of a peaceful hike in the mountains or a place to get away from it all. In Jesus' time, though, the wilderness was not a serene place but one of danger. The word in the New Testament for wilderness is the very same word for desert. An arid, unforgiving place lacking food and water with wild beasts, possibly even marauders. It was even the place where evil itself was believed to reside. It recalls, the wilderness that is, recalls the cultural collective memories of Jesus' ancestors of the Exodus. 40 years of, of uh, the people of God wandering in the desert. This is the wilderness Jesus finds himself in. Now, many of you are probably more familiar with Matthew and Luke's version of the story in which there's in-depth dialogue with Jesus and the tempter, the Satan. But Mark doesn't give us such a dialogue. Instead, Mark's version gives the spirit a more active role. According to scholar Frederick Dale Bruner, the spirit is often the shy member, the passive member of the Trinity for many of us in the church today. 
Bruner claims that in our communal worship and in our own devotional practices, the Spirit can often play a backseat role in the way we experience the living God. But the Spirit we encounter here in Mark is anything but shy. During his baptism, we hear that Jesus' baptism, that is, we hear that the heavens are torn open and, and the Spirit descends on him like a dove. Indeed, Mark is not hesitant to illustrate that God is in and with Christ through the Holy Spirit. We hear that immediately after his baptism, Jesus is driven into the wilderness by the Spirit for 40 days and 40 nights. The Spirit drives Jesus into the wilderness. That's a very strong word and verb there, drives. The Spirit in Matthew and Luke's account leads Jesus into the wilderness. But in Mark's gospel, the Spirit drives Jesus, whereas the Greek word there, ekbalo, can also mean throws Jesus out into the wilderness. The Spirit is anything but shy and subtle. Mark doesn't provide dialogue between the tempter and Jesus. The text tells us that Jesus was tempted and was with the wild beast, but then Mark quickly passes all over this to tell us that the angels waited on him. The Spirit didn't drive Jesus into the wilderness to leave him there, but instead abides with him and in him there. As we read on, it's evident that the Spirit continues with Christ throughout his ministry. The same Spirit that descends upon Jesus in his baptism and drives him into the wilderness becomes the guiding agent in his ministry. Mark wants us to see very clearly from the very beginning that Jesus is Spirit-driven. In baptism, we believe that God's Spirit dwells in each of us, and we are called a beloved child of God. In our reading immediately after Jesus' baptism, the heavenly voice proclaims, You are my Son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. In our baptism, we receive God's Spirit in us, and it's as if we hear these very same words. You are my child, my beloved, with you I am well pleased. From this blessing of God, we are guided by the Spirit. You could even say we are driven by the Spirit to live a life in gratitude to God. And this is why we consider baptism to be our entrance into the Christian faith and community. It marks the beginning of the Christian journey and not the end. Just like in the life and ministry of Jesus, the Spirit plays an ever-present role in the life of the believer as they are guided to live a life in and for God. Today, friends, is the first Sunday of Lent, a period intentionally set for spiritual renewal and preparation for Easter. In the early church, Lent served as a period of education for those joining the Christian faith. These people were called catechumen, or the instructed ones. During the 40-day period of Lent, the catechumen would prepare for their baptism through acts of fasting, confession, and education, where they would learn the, the Apostles' Creed that we'll say together in a bit. On Easter, the catechumen would be baptized and welcomed into the faith community. Just like the catechumen in the early church, Lent presents us with an opportunity each year to renew our baptismal vows 
and renew our commitment to live a life guided, led, driven by the Spirit. This season of 40 days in the spiritual wilderness can draw us closer to God. Uh, there's one more piece of our reading we haven't considered yet, and I think it will prove helpful in the strange Lent we find ourselves in this year. After the wilderness, we come again to Jesus' stump speech that begins his public ministry. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. The time of God's reign and rule has arrived, so how do we respond? We repent and believe this good news, this new thing. Two important ideas in Lent uh, as... Uh, being a time of both repentance and renewal. There's a detail, though, in the Greek text, the original Greek text, that isn't visible in our English Bibles. These two actions in light of the kingdom to repent and believe are plural verbs. They're not singular. It's not you repent and you believe. It's all of you repent. All of you believe. All of you transform. All of you wrap your minds around God's kingdom that's taking shape among us. So often we think of Lent as a season for individual growth, and that's well and good. Jesus' testing in the wilderness serves as a good guide for this. But we can't forget that the, there's a communal aspect to this season as well. The same spirit that we trust is present in our lives from our baptism brings us into a community that seeks together to live into God's reign of love and peace. As opposed to an individual Lent where we think about our own shortcomings, a communal Lent allows us to acknowledge and confess the ways in which we are complicit with the wrongs in our society and seek renewal and transformation together in Christ. So instead of an individual giving up chocolate, perhaps as a community, we can seek to give up our divisive and polarizing ways that we know plague our community. Perhaps we can acknowledge our own greed and fear that sees our neighbors as threats rather than as children of God. Perhaps we can give up our own echo chambers that only draw us further away from our neighbors. The good news, friends, is that the same Spirit of God that calls us beloved in baptism remains and abides with us in this difficult but necessary work. Friends, as we begin the season of Lent, Jesus' words remind us that we are all on this journey to Jerusalem together. So may we be guided, may we be led, may we be driven by the Spirit. May the Spirit empower us to acknowledge the ways that we've fallen short as individuals, but also collectively as God's people. May the Spirit's guiding draw us together in community that we might strengthen one another, that we might proclaim the good news of God's kingdom of love that we surely trust is taking shape in and among and through us. Friends, may it be so. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.